you so much for joining us this week at Zion City Church with teachings from Pastor Andrew Rael. We believe that God still speaks through His Word and His people. So right now, lean in and listen to the Holy Spirit. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and brings you into a deeper love and worship of Jesus. Thanks for listening, and thanks for being a part of Zion City Church. We've been having these conversations around prayer, right? What exactly prayer is and how we as followers of Jesus participate in this practice of prayer. We have defined prayer simply as having conversations with God, right? Where we talk to Him and He speaks to us. And the first step that we discussed about prayer is that for us prayer, we must first start praying. We must keep prayer real and that we must keep prayer simple. And the last thing that we talked about last week was about pausing in prayer, right? Where we give space for our souls to catch up to the pace of our bodies, where we retreat to the sacred place, where we silence the never-ending inner monologue and when we center ourselves in the presence of God. And today, we begin by actually jumping into the Lord's Prayer and dissecting the first couple of lines and really unfolding and unpacking what I believe that Jesus is trying to teach us here in these first couple of lines. I think one of the greatest uh, struggles that we have in prayer is that often we forget who it is that we pray to. And I believe that these first couple of lines for Jesus is he's teaching his disciples and he's teaching us to remember who it is we're praying to. You see, every line in the Lord's prayer matters. Every line that Jesus prays here matters. There's no wasted words. There's no fillers. There's no placeholders. Every word is perfectly placed to train us in our hearts and in the practice of prayer. And so when we come to prayer, Jesus says, we must pray. He says, uh, verse 9, then this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I think oftentimes when we come to prayer, we forget who it is we are praying to. Now, I don't think that we forget that we're praying to God. I don't think that we've um, um, assigned a different person to who we are praying to, but I believe that we forget what He is like. You see, I think we rush into prayer without allowing ourselves to be reminded of who it is we are actually praying to. I call this condition amnesia of the heart, where we forget the kind of character, the kind of nature that God has and what He is like and how we pray to Him. All throughout the scriptures, there's a running theme about paying attention, about remembering, about being present in your mind, not rushing into things, not allowing yourself to shift into autopilot, but really reflecting and thinking and considering the words that we use, the story that God is writing in our lives, and the things that He is doing in our world. And this great art of remembering is what I believe that Jesus is trying to do here in these first few verses by teaching us to remember the one that we pray to. 
You see, in our day and age and in the human condition, it is easy for us to forget how wonderful something actually is. You see, um, you see this uh, manifested when couples first get together, right? They're in what we call the honeymoon phase where they're just infatuated with each other. Like, can you believe the way that he chews gum and look at the way her hair flows in the wind or whatever, right? And they're just madly in love with one another. And every single little thing that they do, they are in wonder of one another. And then time goes on and those things that were once uh, beautiful and enamoring then become areas of annoyance, right? Like her hair is always in the way and why does he smack his gum in that manner, right? And so we, we, we quickly forget the wonder of the person that we're with. We see this also when a new job comes around, right? When the new job comes around, you're waking up early, you're excited to take on the new opportunities, the new vision, the new change of scenery, you're excited about all the things that are happening before you, and you're talking to all your friends and your family about this new job and this new potential, and then time goes on, and suddenly it's become familiar. What was once something you were rushing to get to is now something you can't wait to get away from. You are longing for the next day off. We see this with purchases that we make, right? When we buy a new vehicle, we are showing all of our friends. We're showing all of the features. We're saying, check this out. Look how awesome this is. I'm so glad this is the deal that I got, et cetera, et cetera. But as time goes on, you know, when you would keep the car pristine, clean, and nothing wrong with it, then the car becomes a closet or it becomes a dining room, right? And what was once um, a sense of wonder for you now just simply becomes a payment that you have due or just a way for you to get from point A to point B. Now, here's the question. What changed in those moments? You see, as newness fades, so does our sense of wonder. What was once wonderful quickly becomes common, right? And we begin to treat those things with some form of contempt. Now, what changed? Did the car change? Did the job change? Did the person change? Or really did just your perception of it change? You see, when it becomes a part of our daily lives, it becomes common. And when it becomes common, it loses its sense of wonder. And I believe that we can do that same thing with God. You see, here's the picture that I want to paint for you, right? There is a person who, when they speak, universes come into existence. There is a person who, when they love, it has the power to conquer death. You see, there is a person who, when they extend grace, they have the power to forgive all sin. There is a person who has the wisdom that laid the foundations of the earth. There is a person who, when is moved with compassion, can heal the broken. And there's a person who, when his presence is manifest, a peace exudes off of him that silences despair. And there's this person who, in the midst of a raging sea, can speak and calm that sea and you and I brothers and sisters have his ear you see the way that we climb out of this amnesia of heart is through adoration thanksgiving and examine through adoration thanksgiving and examine now in this beginning part of the prayer it is easy for us just to quickly rush over this beginning part of the prayer as simply just uh, religious pleasantries or respectful introductions. But what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that before we rush into our conversation with God, we must first remember who He is, what He has done, and where He has been. 
You see, the endeavor of these first two uh, verses, these first two lines, is not for religious piety or self-serving reverence, but actually it's for relational intimacy. You see, only by seeing a relationship accurately can we step into the desired intimacy. And so the first thing I believe that Jesus wants us to notice is adoration. Um, it's been said this beginning part of the prayer is adoring or, or giving adoration for who he is, our Father in heaven. I love what Richard Foster says. He says this, Adoration is the air in which prayer breathes, the sea in which prayer swims. Adoration is simply seeing God for who he is. First, notice the language that Jesus invites his disciples to use is the language of Father. Now, this is a very intimate word, and it's very foreign in Jewish context. You see, referring to God as Father was very foreign. They were very respectful and very reverent and very uh, weary of how they spoke to God, even so much as so to never write His name. But when Jesus teaches His disciples to pray, He teaches them to refer to Him as Father. Why? To remind them of the heart of the God they pray to. And to remind us of the heart of the God that we pray to, that first and foremost, He is a Father. Now, I know for some of you, this can be very challenging because your relationship with your Father maybe is not an ideal one that you want to have with the Lord. Maybe there's rockiness in the past or in the present, or maybe the relationship is non-existent. But I want to let you know that your Heavenly Father is not the failures or some of the failures or the mistakes of your earthly father, but your Heavenly Father is all that you have been desiring. And He wants to speak with you. That right now, if you're watching this video, I want you to know that you are loved, that you're seen, that you're heard, that you're cared for, that you're cherished, that you're loved beyond anything you could possibly imagine. You, yes, you watching this video, are deeply cared for by your Heavenly Father, who is kind, compassionate, thoughtful, considerate, smart, wise, nurturing, all the things you desire from a Father. Your Heavenly Father is those things. And He wants you, when it comes to prayer, to come to Him like a child comes to their Father. Jesus teaches us to pray Abba, which is this Jewish word that basically means Dad or Daddy or Papa. It's this informal way of referring to God. And this is Jesus inviting His disciples into intimacy. When we pray our Father, we must remember that first we are praying to a Father who, kicks, who takes care of His kids. I love this passage in Matthew 7. Jesus says this, Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? When we come into prayer and we refer to him as our Father, we must remember he's a Father who takes care of his kids. 
that when we when we ask for something, which we'll get into uh, petitionary prayers later on in the series, but when we ask Him for things, right, He is faithful, right? As earthly parents, when our kids ask us for something, right, we don't we don't respond with a curse, but instead, we most often we give something to our child if our child is in need. And um, we are broken earthly fathers and earthly mothers, and how much more so our heavenly Father. He's a dad who takes care of his kids. And so you can come to him without worry of being a burden or a pester because he loves you and he welcomes your presence and he's here to take care of his kids. The next thing is he's a father who welcomes the lost ones with open arms and a party. There's this beautiful scene painted in Luke 15 of the story of the prodigal son where Jesus describes what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he says it's like, you know, one son who goes and he squanders all of his inheritance chasing foolish things, but realizes the error of his ways and comes back home, comes back to his father with repentance. And his father sees him coming on the road and runs towards him and, 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 and sprints as fast as he can towards him with his arms wide open and a ring in his hand and, and a robe in his hand to clothe his son and to welcome his son back into the family. And then he throws this massive party to welcome the return of his son. And this is the heart of the father. I feel some of us forget the heart posture that God has towards us. It's not that when you come knocking on the door of prayer that God is suddenly bugged, bothered, or frustrated. Like, oh look, here's Andrew again. It's been three weeks and he decided to show up again. No, when he sees you, he sprints to the door to swing it open and to welcome you with his love. The next thing is that he's a father who sent his son because of his great love. If you ever question how he feels about you, look to Jesus, that God would send his son to be crucified, to be murdered, a scandalous death, buried in the grave to rise three days later, that he might have reconciled relationship with you, that he may impart onto you life and life to the full, that his desire, that his heart was to lay down his life for you and for me. And so when we come to prayer, this is who we come to pray to. He's our father. He's our dad. He's our Abba. And so we can come willingly excited because of of the character of his heart, who he is, what he's like, and we get these we get these painted for us in the in the scriptures. So when Jesus says this first line, "Our Father in heaven," it is to remind our heart. It is to teach us to remember. Oh yeah, this is what he's like. God is not like the things I've painted him to be, but he is who he's revealed himself to be in this book. And so we come to him with that heart posture. The next thing that Jesus teaches us to pray is, Hallowed be his name. Now God is powerful beyond measure. He is wise beyond understanding. He is holy beyond imaginable. This idea of hallowed means this, it's set apartness. Uh, the best word I like to think about this is God is uncommon. He's not like everything else that we know. He is wholly different. 
and he is set apart and he is unique and he is righteous and he is good. And so what does this mean for our prayer life? It means that when we come into prayer, we remember the holiness, the uniqueness, the set-apartness, the uncommonness of the God we pray to. Now God wants us to have intimate and 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 honest and real conversations, but there must be within us a deep sense of reverence and respect when we come to speak to the God of the universe. When we come to speak of the God who speaks things into existence, when we come to speak to the God who splits the seas, when we come to speak to the God who raises the dead to life, when we come to speak to the God who faithfully pursues us, when we come and we come to speak to the God who's woven all things together and in Him all things exist. That we come with a sense of reverence and respect for who He is. And what this means also is that when we come to pray, we remember we're praying to a really big God. I feel like all too often we come prayers like, well, God, if you can, and God, if you could. And I think about this story uh, in the Gospels where someone is longing to be healed, and he says, if you can heal me, and Jesus says, if I can heal you, of course he can heal you. We come to God with these literally small prayers and God is inviting us into remembering what He has done, remembering um, um, uh, who He is, remembering His power and His authority and His might and His holiness and His uncommonness. And He's inviting us into that relationship. So before we rush into prayer, we remember who it is that we are praying to. The next thing I want to talk about is Thanksgiving. This prayer, I believe, is also teaching us in a way of as we remember who He is, it leads us to remember what He has done. And first and foremost, we remember the cross. Remember that God left eternity. He left heaven to come and be a human, to wrap Himself in flesh, and to lay down His life for us. And that he would allow evil to exhaust its powers on him. And that he would conquer evil, death, and hell. And rise again three days later to impart onto us his life. This new resurrected life. And so we think about all that he's done in the story of the scriptures. And most importantly in the cross. But I also want us to think about the story that God is writing for our lives. Yes, in the day-to-day, me and you, what is has God done in our life? I want you right now to reflect on the last 365 days of your life, the last year. For a lot of you, it's been paved with a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, a lot of laughs, a lot of good times, a lot of bad times, and just this mixture of in-between. But I want you to think about the ways in which now when you look back, you see God's hand on something. Maybe that breakup at the time seemed like the worst thing in the world, but now looking back, you realize how important that was for you to take the next step of growth. Maybe you look back and losing that job was one of the worst things that ever happened, but actually turned out to be for the good because you are now pursuing something else. As you look through these moments, you've seen even in the moments of great despair and great pain, God was present in those areas ready to meet with you. And as we look back, It leads us to a place of thanksgiving, which means we give thanks to Him for what He has done. I want you to examine those areas and give thanks to God for those areas where He has been present. 
You see, what thanksgiving or giving praise does is it lifts our perspective above what our eyes can see. And it allows us to see things for how they actually are. You see, we have this ability within us as humans to only see what's missing in our hand, not looking at what we already have. And Thanksgiving teaches us not to look at what other people have, but to look at what we have been given and to give God thanks for those things. Thanksgiving is training our heart in gratitude. And one powerful way God does this is through worship. You see, this time where we come together and sing. Now, I know that sometimes we come with mixed motives or we come with different distractions, but when we come to praise, we come to seeing the reality of our lives into us because our perspective is skewed. When we give God praise, when we give Him thanksgiving, when we take inventory of our lives and we can offer these things back up to Him in praise, what it does is it trains our eyes to see things at how they actually are, not just how we perceive them to be. Right? We tend to be very negative leaning, that if we were to take a look at all of our thoughts in a day's time, we would be very negative in general. But what Thanksgiving does is allows us to see things for how they actually are, not just how we perceive them to be. So we realize that we've actually been given so much, even though we might not have exactly what we want. And so when we take part in this time of praise, it is actually thanksgiving. It's offering back up to God what He rightly deserves for all that He has done. And the last thing I want to talk about is examine, where we take a look at where He has been. When we reflect and look back, we are training ourselves to notice the presence of God. As we pray this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, we are thinking about the God who is ever-present, ever-here, and ever-moving in our midst. You see, often I have conversations with people, and they're always seeking an experience. They always want to experience God in a new and powerful ways. And maybe in your life, you've had have you have had a handful of these moments where you've encountered God in a unique way, where He's met you in power and in might, right? And then it feels like it's several days, weeks, or even years before you get another experience like that again. But what we need to train ourselves to do is not look for God in the extraordinary, but find God in the ordinary, because that's where He often reveals Himself to be. But the only way that we do that is by examining, by looking back, by reflecting. This time of remembering teaches us that we remember that He is God and that we are not. As we come and pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name, we are reminding ourselves I'm not God. I'm not all powerful. I'm not all wise. I'm not in control. God, you are. Teach me to see my life as you see my life. Teach me to look at my life through your eyes. When we are, are, are examining our lives, we are training ourselves to, to see things from heaven's perspective. So what does all of this mean, church? That as we come and pray these two lines, we first move into the place of adoration. So let's get into practice. Here's what I want us to do this week. In our practice, I want us to first remember who He is. Remind yourself of the God who invites you into His presence. So when you come to pray, we're going to first, right, remember that we're going to keep, we're going to start praying. We're going to keep prayer real and we're going to keep prayer simple. That's the parameters we're working with. And the next thing we're going to do is we're going to pause. 
We're going to breathe. We're going to silence everything around us. We're going to bring ourselves into the presence of God and remind ourselves that He is there. We're going to center ourselves in the presence of God. And the next thing I want us to do is as we pray, we remember. We remember who He is. Now, what's really helpful in these times is for a lot of people is reading a psalm because it could be hard to remember, you know, who God is when you've been worried and stressed about the mortgage, about the kids, about soccer practice, about all those different things. And so when you come to him, I want to invite you to remember who he is by reading a psalm. What the psalms teach you to do is they they shift your heart posture to remember the nature, the characteristic, the heart posture of who God is. But in your time, I want you to uh, shower him in adoration. Tell him how wonderful he is for, for who he is. We want to keep our conversations with God relational. We don't want to stay cold or aloof or at a distance. We want to talk to God as he is a friend. We want to talk to God as he is our father. And by just telling him and reminding ourselves of what he's actually like. The next thing I want us to do is remember what he has done. I want you when you come to prayer to give thanks for five things that come into your mind. They could be small things like, God, thank you that um, I had time this morning to get Starbucks on my way to work. Or it could be really big things like, thank you for my marriage or thank you for my family. But I want you first to remember who He is. Give Him the adoration, the love, the worthiness that He is deserving of. Then I want you to give thanks, God, for a handful of things. Now, if you have more things in your heart, keep going don't just stop at five but i think five is a healthy good marker and you can easily find five things to be thankful for in your world and the next thing i want to teach us to do is what's called the prayer of examine now essentially what this is is at the end of the day take an inventory of your day so as everything's kind of come to a close the kids are down for bed and you are laying in your bed ready to go to sleep i want you to reflect and think about your day i want you to ask yourself one God, where did I feel you the most today? And I want you to think about it. Maybe it was in your time of prayer or reading the Bible or listening to a worship song. Or maybe it was in a moment where you were watching the sunset from your back porch or holding your baby before they go to bed or eating a really great meal or going for a run. Whatever it is, wherever you felt God most today, I want you to think about those things. I want you to ask the questions, God, where did I least feel you today? Maybe it was in a moment of frustration or anger and lashing out at a coworker. Maybe it was um, where, you, where you were doing something you shouldn't have been doing, lying or, or being dishonest or whatever it was, and you, you realized the failure there. So, God, where, were you, where did I feel you the most? Where did I feel you least, God? And where were you moving and I didn't notice? And then just slowly go through your day. And try to find and notice the times where God was trying to break into your world. But you may have been an autopilot. You may have been distracted. You may have missed it. And these are the practices I want us to remember. Remember who God is. Remember what He has done. And remember where He has been. You see, when we do these things, we're going to be able to start noticing God in all sorts of areas of our life. And so that's the practices. As we come to pray, one, we're going to remember who He is. We're going to remind ourselves. But the helpful practice of that is reading a psalm. Two, we're going to give thanks to God for five things that come to mind. If you have more, keep going. And lastly, we're going to do the prayer of examine. We're going to remember where He has been in our day. That as we close our day, we just take a few brief minutes just to ask ourselves, God, where did I feel you the most? 
God, where did I feel you the least? And where were you, Lord, when I didn't even notice? And church, this is how we begin to remember. This is how we undo amnesia of our heart is by paying attention, by remembering, by implementing practices like this in our prayer life to notice God where He is moving. And with that, wherever you are, let's stand and let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this bread, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Grace and peace, church. We love you so much. Have a great week. To see all the new content coming from Zion City, follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. And to partner with us financially, visit our website at zioncitychurch.net.